Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the trash heap of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> we saw some no, bad movies all right, today. All right. Don't, don't, don't. You're, you're, you know, don't, don't uh, bury the lead. Is that the expression or maybe actually no? That's no, you're not asking me to bury the lead. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. You're, you're, you're cutting to the chase is what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, but no, welcome to the Wage of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Corey. And you are sad duties, Corey, today. Yes! <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, boy. All right. So today we saw two new movies in theaters. Uh, and, oh, God, where to start? Like, these are two movies that, by the way, it's funny that in AMC, uh, I don't know if you noticed in the app, these two movies are part of their artisan series oh god you know now at amc when you go on their app like if your movie was made for like uh, less than a hundred million dollars <laughs> your movie is considered a quote artisan movie it has like this special band around it and i guess it's a way to try to distinguish like this is a special movie and boy these were some special movies yes uh now, I think we should start with where we just got out of, and then we okay. can work our way to the what we saw first. How's that sound? Okay. Okay, so starting off, uh, and this one's a bit painful more so for you than for me, but it's painful for me in a lot of ways, is Blinded by the Light. Yes. <laughs> and um, we should explain what this is, uh, for those of you who might not know, Um uh, this movie, in a way, is kind of following in, I'm not going to say a tradition or something like that, or even coattails, but, you know, the past year we've had Bohemian Rhapsody, which... I wisely avoided. Well, go listen to our, um, the podcast where I kind of rant about that. And then uh, also Rocket Man, Which I wisely avoided. Which is actually kind of a good movie, though. I, I, it's not like, you know... Don't, you know, it shouldn't win any Oscars. I'm like, fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, <laughs> but it's actually a better movie. Like that, and I'm going to come back around to Rocket Man in a minute. Uh, but now we have Blinded by the Light, which is, as they say on the poster, inspired by true events. Um, about about this guy named uh, Javed Khan. I think I'm saying his name right. Yes. Yeah. I didn't say Jared. <laughs> like in the paper in the movie. Uh, and Javid's this, uh, you know, teenager in, what was the name of the town? Luton. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Luton. Uh, in Luton, in Britain, England. And, you know, his life is kind of miserable. He lives with, uh, um, you know, father, mother, sisters, and they're all very uptight, uh, Pakistani, uh, you know, people, very traditional. So, yeah, yeah. Um... If you've ever seen a movie ever, <laughs> or you've ever seen a TV show ever. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, you you kind of know immediately what this movie is, you've folks. Seen these characters. If you like saw a random movie from like 1956 about that cursed rock and roll music, yeah. you've seen this movie. So, a kid at school, actually a fellow um, Pakistani kid, actually, not a white kid, you know, you know, accidentally, they, they run into each other, and the kid is like, don't mess with the boss. And Javid's like, who's the boss? And he's like, Bruce. Bruce knows all the answers. And so he gives Javid some Bruce Springsteen tapes, and Javid's world goes, woo! And so does the movie down the drain. Uh, I hated this movie with, like, every fiber of my being. <laughs> and I think we should ex uh, talk about up front the fact that, um, you know, Corey, you are quite a Bruce Springsteen fan. I literally have a Bruce Springsteen-themed tattoo. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's not, like, a picture of Bruce, but it is in his spirit. Um, and, you know, over time, like, when I was a lot younger, I actually wasn't that big on Bruce, so I was like, eh, maybe a couple of his songs are alright. But over the course of our marriage, I've, I've opened my heart 
to Bruce. To the boss. I, on the other hand, my parents are both diehard Springsteen fans. I literally don't have memories of a time before I knew who Springsteen was and before I was like, you know, surrounded by his music. In, so, in case you can't tell, we are from New Jersey, yeah. so that's also uh, who we are. I've seen how many? How many times have I seen Bruce? Probably like ten times around. Ten? Probably. Really? No. I mean, well, I've seen him now three times if you count the Seeger sessions, because uh, I've seen now the East Street Band with you twice, but you've seen him a bunch of times before, like. Yes. Oh yeah. May I've maybe ten is a little much, but around maybe like eight to ten times. And after all those times, were you ever going around to people and talking Bruce lyrics to them? I was <laughs> like Javid does in this movie. Oh my god! So let me try getting to telling you why this movie is not good. Um, this script. It comes down to the script. Like, I, I almost don't think in a way, like, I, I feel maybe a little bad for the lead actor. And I, I don't know what his name is. I don't know him either. I, I should have had this information with me. The only the only actor in this who looked kind of familiar was the, the teacher. That was Billy Piper, I think. No. I think so. It, it She looked like a Billy Piper type. I don't know if it was actually Billy Piper. I, but I was. I was. I'll my phone. Yeah, it, she looked like someone who has been on Doctor Who at least once or twice. She's, you know, she's fucked with some Daleks. Um, but anyway, so in this movie, Javid, like, they try to make a point that before uh, we find out about, um, you know, before he finds Bruce, you know, he's trying to be a writer. He's writing poems and things like that, and. He, you know, he's very, very earnest and very into, like, politics and things like that. Um, I'm not sure if I can see the name, uh, but... Oh, Sophie... Uh, is that her? Um, Keep Mrs. talking. Anyway. No, it wasn't Billy Piper. So, and you'd think, like, all right, this kid seems to be listening so sure to Western music. Oh, it's, and, she's from the Avengers movie. Oh, Haley Atwell, that's it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, car, Peggy. All right, so I don't know what I was talking about. Um, and then as soon as he discovers Bruce playing it through his headphones, it's like, whoa, oh, my God. And then what the director does to try to visualize his... Um, awakening or something is just I don't know what other word to say for it. It's hackneyed. It's very it's cheesy but I say that word as if it's a automatically a put down. But cheesy can be good sometimes. Cheesy can be fun. This is the kind of cheesy where he is about to throw out his poems in the trash and the wind is blowing so hard and fierce that it looks like it's about to carry him away. And then when he listens to Bruce, he suddenly is, like, up against a brick wall. And the actual lyrics from the Bruce songs are popping up on the screen. As if we can't hear them and process them. We need to be told, this is very important. This is Bruce Lords. Tell uh, the people your amazing um, oh, yeah, um yeah. this movie. Yeah, so to me this is uh <laughs> this is Bossaganda. Bossaganda. <laughs> <laughs> I also came up with the term that these filmmakers are spring stands. <laughs> which I think could work in another context. But it's just everything that you think is gonna happen in this story happens. But it's even worse because it can't really decide what it wants to be, right? It tries, it thinks it can be like a socially conscious drama, you know, about like the plight of Pakistani British citizens and British people in general in the 80s under Thatcher, while also being a dopey, goofy, gloopy musical. Now, the difference between you and I. This movie is very bad. I really didn't like it. But the only difference between you and I, I think, is 
the few moments where it just let itself revel in being a dopey like musical, so I you, actually like. So, so you like the Born to Run sequence? I did. Oh. And I liked when the external storm represents the storm that he has in No! No! <laughs> no, it's bad! No! No, what have they done to you? They replaced your brain with someone else. Sorry. No, that's that, that is like, that's a director who thinks, like, we can't get subtlety, so we need to push... It's so far in your oh. face that you can, like, smell, like, the sweat of earnesty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I just said that. Sweat of earnesty. Which, I don't think earnesty is a word. Earnesty? Earnestness. I think you would Oh. Well, bring it for this review, damn it. Um, no, I, I could, you know what? There were a couple of moments in the Born to Run sequence where I was like, oh, okay, they're doing, I like, a like, little move on the bridge. I also liked the two scenes that you mentioned you like in this movie that are not sledgehammering you yeah. with hackiness. So, so what happens is, actually, a movie that po just popped into my head that I think this movie wanted to be was Billy Elliot. I never Did you ever it. see Billy Elliot? No, he wants to be a ballet dancer, though, right? Yeah, and he works in, you know, it's a Jamie Bell. It was his breakthrough role. No, I've never seen um, it. It's been a while since I've seen it. It was a pretty good movie. Um, it was the better, ver it was the much, much better version of what this was trying to do. Because that was, like, kid discovers he has a love for this thing that, you know, dad doesn't approve of. Dad and son have conflict. But at least in that case... How it was directed and presented, it felt it had more of like a gritty feel to it. It was also England in the mid '80s, and like the father was like having troubles at work. And I mean, but with, the, but with this, it's like the the father loses his job at a factory, and then the father's just kind of a sad sack for like most of the movie. So but he's but he's supposed to be like our antagonist. Sometimes he's an angry sack. He's he's the he's like a cartoon character, man. Yes. Like I wouldn't believe this guy on like a fucking episode of Steven Universe. The movie is incredibly broad, incredibly unsubtle. It's oppressive in the degree to which it tries yeah. to manipulate oh. its audience. Oh, but I wanted to mention, though, yeah, there are literally two scenes yeah, that you mentioned that I, that I told you about that I think are okay. Um, like, one scene, you know, because I was counting at a certain point, yeah. and I was like, ding, okay, decent scene, and then, oh, second scene, ding. One scene actually involves, like, again, the father's falling hard times, he's not working, the mother of the house has to pick up the work and doing sewing. And there's a little scene where he, like the father and mother are at like a pawn shop and, you know, she's taking off her bracelets and she's about to take off her ring. And he does a little thing like, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. And the music that's playing there is like traditional Pakistani music and how it's very, it's, it's much simpler in how it's shot and edited. And I was like, okay, I can actually feel the emotion of this scene. I can feel it working naturally. And then there's another scene where um, Javid is like, has the, the scene at the parents. Uh, like he, he starts dating this girl in the movie who I guess is also the other girl in the high school that likes uh, Bruce. Um, but he, but the, he kind of experiences the closest thing this movie can come up to as subtle racism. Yeah. Where, like, the, the, the daughter points out that the dad doesn't like, um, you know, the coloreds. And he starts to try to pour wine, and she tries to point out that he's Muslim, so he doesn't, you know, drink alcohol. And the father's like, no, no, you'll, you'll like this, you know, this, you'll try it a little bit. No, I won't tell anyone. And I like that. That was a good scene. Because that was like, okay, this is actually how, you know, even though, even though it's a little exaggerated, it's how at least I can picture some white people being. The rest of the time, we get it. They Pakistanis were dealing with 
were they called MFers? National Front. Oh, and and for a second, I was like, MFers, like motherfuckers. Yeah, no, they were. (laughs) I thought that too initially, but no, it was National Front. Yeah, and you know that is that's given like that's like a brick face to you every time it happens, like racism, racism, racism. And it's like, we get it. Like, uh, he's dealing with not just pressure from home and feeling like an outsider, but, you know, they don't want us here. Gee, I wonder how I can, I'm, I feel this so much in my soul. Don't you feel the, the feeling I have, <laughs> Corey? So, yeah, I, in addition to the two scenes you mentioned, I liked the, um... The two, like, corny musical numbers that you didn't like? Well, yeah, no, I did not. That first corny scene... Well, you know what the problem to... Well, the problem with the Born to Run scene, I almost was starting to get into it. And then, like, tonally, this movie has, like, a sense of whiplash where just the second Born to Run ends, it's back to, like... Oh, we're in trouble. I'm not going to do an accent. Yeah, but, but and it's literally, you switch from this very light and goofy Born to Run to literally watching people being beaten in the streets because of their race. Oh, God. And there is absolutely no transition. Oh, oh, and ta- oh you know what was the worst thing to me? How they use Jungle Land. Yeah. Oh, that's like, that might be my favorite Bruce song. And... The, the director, like, re- did it twice, I think. She used, like, the little um, mid part, you know, with, uh, you know, Clarence's sax solo yeah. twice to show, like, the, the family facing racism and the son, like, oh, God. So- and it's like, I've, yeah, as you said earlier, Corey, I've seen a movie. Yeah. I've seen the movie. You can do better. We are in 2019. I don't need to see... You cannot fail with this guy for, like, I don't want to listen to you, Dad! Oh, you're no son of mine! Get out! Fine, I'm getting out! You have the scene in this movie where the father tells the son to get out, and the son gets out. Yes. Even though, what'd you say? Yeah, this guy just kicks his minor child out of the <laughs> home. You can't do that. Now, I was a little... I, I, I See, I was a little unsure about the age, though, because I thought by then he was 18, but you no. thought he was 16. The beginning of the movie, they explicitly say he is 16. Now, the movie, several months pass over the course of the film, so it's very possible he been that 17. he's 17 by the time... He gets kicked out of the house. Wow. But under no circumstance is he 18. See, I wasn't really focusing on the age part. I was just focusing on how uh, I was just seeing the hackiest cliche that I thought we were done with. You know, like, I've seen this thing done on, like, TV movies better. It was so, so, so cliched and terrible. And I told you. I tried so hard to like this movie. I was throwing myself at this movie well, with you, a desperation. Well, well, we saw the trailer, and the trailer got you choked up. This I trailer think, made me cry every time I see, saw it. See, I think you weren't really paying much... I don't think you were having any critical goggles on when you were watching the trailer. And, you were just, uh, you know, dancing in the dark! Uh, Promised Land, and you were paying attention to that. You weren't noticing words splashing on... No, that that whole scene where he's being blown by the wind is terrible. See, I like that. No! I... No, it's, that's like... Yeah, that's also bad cheesy. I felt like I was watching like a music video from the 80s, but I not in a good too, way. I but I like it. No! No! no. See, I'm, I think we're going to give the people the wrong idea. I liked literally, like, four more minutes of the movie than you did. <laughs> like, See, whenever the music came on, I at best, it was something that was just like, okay, they're putting on a Bruce song now, whatever. At worst, I felt like I was watching a bad music video. See, I wish the movie had just become, like, a jukebox musical. Yeah. And maybe 
And because I have such a strong emotional attachment to the material, I was willing to let a bunch of soppy cliches inhabit the music for me. But the movie doesn't even really lean into that. I kind of feel like a movie has to either like be a musical or not be a musical. Yeah, it, 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 a couple of times it almost tried to be a musical, but it also but it felt awkward because it's also trying to be a socially conscious drama. So it's failing on both points. It sucks as you know immigrant kitchen sink drama and it sucks as sappy musical like i feel like there was another scene where wasn't javid and the kid's father singing to like the girl at the steps yeah that was another i forget what number he was singing though like i don't know uh, but anyway was it thunder road it might have it been might thunder. no no yes it was thunder road yeah, like, that was also cheesy, too. I mean, I, as you said, I maybe could have gotten into this if it had just been full-on jukebox musical. If it had been La La Land for Bruce Springsteen, yeah, maybe I could have... But La La Land's much better made than this. That's this movie true. is... This movie's directed by someone who doesn't have imagination. Like, I think the director of this movie, she did also uh, bend it like Beckham... Which I think we, we've both seen and think is alright. Yeah, like, both of us have the same relationship to that movie. We saw it in the movie theater, we're like, this is fine, and then never thought about it or watched it again. Yeah. Here's a here's a nitpick. I'm gonna, hear, I'm gonna get in a little nitpick here for a second. So there's this scene where Javed takes his uh, sister, like, or he goes with her to this, like, I think they call it like a day party. A day timer, like a day timer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I guess the Pakistani kids like they they go off to like dance during the middle of the day. They go clubbing during the day. Yeah, they go clubbing in the day so their parents don't find out, and they're you know then they're clubbing to Pakistani music. And there's a little moment when he uh, puts on uh, his headphones, and the point of the scene is supposed to be like he's putting on Bruce. But then he notices his sister dancing and decides to take his headphones off. Oh, hey, maybe I can connect to other people without listening to Bruce. Okay. He puts on Because the Night. I didn't think that that was available, like, the Bruce version, to, like, the 90s. Like, I thought it was only the Patti Smith version for, like, a long time. I was going to say, unless he had, like, a live bootleg of it. It also didn't fit the scene. No. It's daytime. Why are you listening to Because the Night? Well, I didn't think... <laughs> this is like how in... I didn't see this, but I heard that in the new Lion King, when they perform Can You Feel the Love Tonight, it's in the daytime. <laughs> One thing this movie could have done to be better is if it had actually been more clever in its song scene juxtapositions. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I, I don't know if the songs always were fitting the mood of no, the scene. No, I didn't think so. And to me, it seemed like someone who was like a fan of a Springsteen Greatest Hits album, but was certainly not well-versed in his catalog. Yeah. And yeah. I know that you can only go up to 87. Yeah. But I have a crazy idea Maybe use a Bruce song that wasn't a gigantic hit. How about use Adam raised a cane after he has like an encounter with his father? That would have been a good idea. Like that whole song is full of such anger and you know. Bile. I was too thinking of that, and I was wondering if I was just being selfish because. Adam Raised a Cane is the first Bruce song I ever really loved. Because I'll be honest, when I was a small child and I was, like, first introduced to Bruce, I rebelled because I was like, this is my parents' music. Yeah. Which is funny because someone literally says in the movie, like, this isn't for, like, hip teenagers, this is for their parents. So, the when my parents, when I was very young, tried to first introduce me to Bruce, I rebelled. However... When I was pretty young, like, I was sitting in the car, and I was listening to Adam Ray's Decane, and I was like, this is great! Yeah, well, it's a harder-edge song than a number of his other songs. Also, that song is on Darkness on the Edge of Town. Which, which they is, feature in the movie, Which yeah. is one of the first two 
But no, the other thing was maybe I didn't think they necessarily mixed up the songs with the moods very well. No, they didn't. They they mixed like they threw on some songs that like I mean, I guess they tried to connect Promised Land to how he feels really like outside and left out and he wants a place to call his own or yeah. some crap. But again, I'm even still, it's like the I almost made me angry that the music was being used in this way. So I wanted to bring up to you how there was another movie actually in the eighties, which I watched kind of fairly recently called Mask. Uh-huh. Um this was this was a movie that maybe some of you have heard of this. It was actually a pretty decent hit. It had Cher, um, Sam Elliott, and Eric Stoltz played uh, this guy Rocky Dennis. Um, hopefully, I got that name right. Um, and he he's you know you know you know if you've ever seen like he has like a disfigured he has like a face. It's kind of uh, you know it's it's something's happened to him and he looks kind of weird. Um, originally. You know, because that was based on a true story, too. And when they were making the movie, they wanted to use Bruce songs. And Bruce said, okay, yeah, sure. And then, like, the the, the record company or something said, like, no, we're not going to license these out. We have, like, a problem with your studio or blah, blah, blah. So they didn't have the songs in the movie. And this was also, like, a real guy who Bruce, like, you know, fired this guy up. And... You know, finally, if you watch the director's cut, it features some of the Bruce songs. Like, Pierre Bogdanovich was finally able to put them back in. But I think about how, like, see, that, like, because that's a movie that also deals with some, you know, you know, uh, hard living. But it's much better. And now I think, like, oh, this is, this, this movie could be someone's introduction to Bruce, and I don't like that. Yeah, so that's, God, like th- this, like you know, kids, if, you know, like young people, see this movie, like, like are they like would they even want to come like to it? But then also, for adults, like they've seen all this shit before a hundred times. Yeah, like this doesn't please anybody. Like at least with you know, like when I saw Rocket Man, like, I come, I'm coming back around to that because that was also a jukebox musical. And and that also had the element in the story of Elton John wants to do rock and roll, but his dad doesn't approve, and you know, mom is also not really there for him, and stuff like that. And it somehow dealt with it much better. It also helped that the lead actor was, you know, Taron Edgerton was really good as Elton John, and the songs actually were really thematically perfect and how the choreography went and everything. This is just, I don't know. Like, it's just all it's clinging to, it, it might, it might be earnest, but that doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Yeah. Well, I think the reason why I tried so hard to like this movie is I'm, I'm a sap. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I'm pretty open to like being sentimentally manipulated and but no, this movie is just the lack of craft is so galling. Yeah, the lack of craft, <laughs> the fact that it looks like it was shot. It, it really looks like it was more shot for TV than for like a movie theater. Like this could have been on Netflix and it would have been fine. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can go for sappy things too. I mean, maybe not as much to the point that you do, but. Like, was there any point watching the movie that you got the same feeling watching the trailer? Not really. Oh, no. Was there a moment? You look Uh, like you're not sure. No, I mean, the thing is... At the end, were you feeling a little misty-eyed when he talked about... By the end, I was like, fuck this movie. (laughs) Um... Fuck Bruce. Absolutely nothing worked with me in the end because absolutely nothing of the family drama worked for me. No, none of that worked for me either. Everyone was either stock cliche or just 
Uh, and then they have the scene where the mother tries to, you know, the mother talks to the father. Well, like, you know nice another thing son. I was thinking about? Maybe for once in one of these movies, make the mom a hard ass. Yeah, that would have been a nice switch. I mean, I know maybe in real life the guy's father was a hard ass. Who knows? But this movie is not real life. I assure and you. And you know, I told you this in the car ride home. I'm mad at Bruce himself for this. He had to okay his songs to be in this movie. Like, was he shown a script? Was he shown a rough cut? Has he like? Has he at long last like become like? such a sap that he would let his material be used for this? Hey, the money's just as green. But no, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, look, this, this guy was a real guy, and, you know, at the end of the movie, they show pictures of him with Bruce, and apparently he's seen him... 150 like, times. because he was trying to compete with Chris Christie's record. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I just... I don't know, maybe if the lead actor had a little more personality. Like, he's, he was kind of one note, too. He emotes really hard. Yeah, but he doesn't emote in a way but that But he I emotes could, only one way. He emote. He looks like a really desperate, like, sometimes happy, usually sad puppy. Yeah, so there's this really earnest, like, puppyish energy... And Can you look up his name too? Yeah, sorry, because I, I feel like I'm disrespecting him by not, you know, giving him uh, his name. Um, the actor plays Javed Khan in this. I typed in Blonded by the way. <laughs> That's the movie where Mr. Blonde comes and cuts off your ear while you're listening to Badlands. This is literally the only movie he's been in. Oh, you don't say! Wow, Kalfra. Okay, that's his name, Vivek Kalfra. Gee, I I can't tell that he's probably never acted before. And look, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Like you can have someone who directs someone; they're great. You know, they can turn out good performance. But this kid ain't it. Well, again, he he, he maybe it's partly because the he's not given enough material. Every character in this movie has exactly one mode. And that's why, to me, it doesn't work in the end where the son comes to respect his father and the father comes to respect his son, as it is in every one of these movies. But the problem is they've only interacted in one mode in every scene in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, they've only interacted one way, and the and it's just... it. it uh, it, it, like, this is the type of stuff that when I, I, for, you know, I used to, for a short time, uh, you know, work as a script reader, you know, at a production company. Yeah. This is the kind of script I sometimes was handed to read, and it was just, oh, the comments I would give back on a script like this, that it made it this far, that I'm seeing it in a theater that's on thousands of screens. It's just mind-boggling. Like, this... Mm. <sighs> These characters are total cardboard. It's an insult to cardboard. Total car. Yeah, it's wet cardboard. It's like the cardboard that's like rotting in your garage. So, <laughs> the only work, the only thing that works in this movie is the emotions captured by the songs if you have a pre-existing fondness for Bruce Springsteen. But, 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 the, but that, that's my thing, though, also, that I feel like the songs being used in this way, it almost starts to devalue the songs, too. That's why I mentioned how they use Jungle Land, I thought, you know, was really painful for me, because that's some, a song I feel really strong emotions to. And I feel like that's also a very cinematic song. Like, a lot of Bruce's songs could easily lend themselves to feeling yeah. very cinematic because they inspire a lot of imagery. You know, he, he, as a writer, he, you know, has always been very good about trying to make things sound very specific. Bruce is a much... It, Bruce should have been the screenwriter on this. He would have at least understood tonal shifts. Yeah, what was so weird was how 
non-specific this movie felt. Like, how much it felt like it was made on an assembly line by someone who had never even lived in the 80s or never even been to England or never well, no, 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 no. See, no, again, no, this person, like I said, saw Billy Elliot and they've <laughs> seen movies that do that type of formula, but it just stinks. I might have tolerated the horrible tonal shifts better if the drama actually had something like deep or specific or insightful to say. Yeah, yeah, it's not insightful. It's it's very surface level like Pakistan, you know, Pakistanis are being oppressed. You know, we can't speak up because white people rule and I know racism is bad. I know children of immigrant parents God, sometimes struggle. God, Green Book is a more subtle movie than this. I thought of Crash once you're talking. Oh, no. Oh, I, see, uh, I like this movie more than Crash, because Crash is legitimately like one of the worst movies ever made. But Yeah. It's tough. This might be one of the worst movies I've seen this year. So, like, I, 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 this movie made me not like Bruce. I'm going back to not liking Bruce again. After all I don't the wanna, work I, don't, I did over the course of I, our marriage, I don't want to hear his music anymore. I'm sorry. Thanks, <laughs> movie, for undoing the work I patiently did over the course of a marriage. <laughs> Blame the boss again. <laughs> all right. So, so final I thoughts. This, I thought this movie was very bad. I actually liked the two, like, corny music videos that are embedded in this film. And there are two of them, and I would watch them as music videos, but... But, you, no, see, the, to me, the only director who ever has really gotten Bruce Springsteen is Brian De Palma. Because he directed the Dancing in the Dark music video, <laughs> and that gets Bruce. But I'm very sorry to say this movie is very bad. Yes, don't don't go see this movie. If if you are not a Bruce fan, it's not going to convert you. And if you are a Bruce fan, uh, you might need to smash something outside when you're done watching it. And like, God, we should have listened to your parents. They saw this movie before us, and they didn't like it. See, I think the difference between you and I is my goodwill towards Bruce was not trampled by this movie, unlike you. Mm. And my love of I mean, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic. Of course I still like his music. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just in the moment kind of upping my anger. I would have walked out of this movie if I didn't love Springsteen as much as I do. Yeah, well, again, I, I was thinking about that one point, honestly. Like, if I wasn't there with you, I might have, I might have walked out. Well, during that horrendous you are not my son anymore. Scene. Oh, even before that. Oh God, even before that, I was I was kind of checked out of this movie at best. Um, this is very not good. All right, now we need to talk about our other movie, which is not good. But I think we're going to disagree a bit more about our levels of not yeah, goodness. because this next movie I think was just as much of a steaming trash pile <laughs> as Blinded by the Light. <sighs> And you disagree. I would say that it is, with, along with The Dead Don't Die, one of my biggest disappointments this year. Um, and what we're talking about, is, and, and another film from a major, you know, indie director, uh, this is Richard Linklater's Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Bernadette! Burn, <laughs> um, no, don't sing that song. This movie doesn't serve it. Um, what this movie is about, you have Kate Blanchett, um, she used to be an architect, uh, but she's kind of fallen into herself, kind of. I don't know, like, she's not really doing that much. Um, but we'll get to that, because there are some revelations. She's married to Billy Crudup, who, in a move that almost feels like it's almost out of a Tyler Perry movie, he's, like, invented some, like... He invented telepathy! And the movie doesn't address this! Billy Crow invents telepathy! He kind of does! In this movie! Yeah! It's nothing! It's literally a one-off! 
And the world is in no way impacted by the fact that a character has invented telepathy. See, I almost <laughs> let that go, like, because I thought, well, maybe this movie is just going to be pure fantasy, but yeah, that was oh. odd. Oh, and then later <laughs> on, though, I'm sorry, we're spoiling this detail for all you people. Just... The trailer gives away the entire movie, frankly. Well, no, but what I was about to say, though, is that later on, the father says in the throwaway line, Oh, I'm not on that project anymore. They don't like the telepathy that I invented. <laughs> Billy Crudup invented the ability to control things with your mind in this No, movie. he doesn't quite do that. He <laughs> he invents, like, a little patch that you, you put on your skull, and if you're thinking about something, it reads out on a computer... I don't know if you... Would you call that telepathy? He made something happen with his mind. <laughs> he moved. He typed with his mind. <laughs> that That's is, telepathy. That, that, that is on par with in Acrimony how the, the, guy, the guy invents, like, the battery that charges forever. What the fuck, man? All right, but let's, let's put that... Yeah, let's take that and move that over here. So this is really, but it's supposed to be about Bernadette and her story and uh, and how, like, we see her just doing things in the movie, like she's getting, like, tiffs with her neighbor, played by Kristen Wiig. Um, I, uh, come on, like, I really do, there, the scene in the tr- from the trailer that's in the here where Kristen Wiig's throwing that party and all, like, the rich kids, like, get mud flung on them. I like. I kind of like that. There are just because you know, eat the rich. There are a few things that are mildly amusing in this movie. Well, like I chuckled a few times. Right. But what's happening in the movie? What the trailer kind of leads you to believe, but doesn't, is that something's going on with Bernadette, and you don't know at first, but then it turns out, oh, she might be kind of at best suffering from major anxiety. And at worst, is kind of mentally ill, possibly major depression, suicidal thoughts, things like that are brought up. And then she runs away because she's been, you know, kind of engaging in kind of a fraudulent situation. Like, she's about to make her family lose all their money because she's got scammed. Um, And, you know, she's also not been telling, you know, telling what her husband's up. So she runs away. Um, and the thing is, I, I, here's what I'm going to say, Corey. For the first two thirds, I was thinking to myself, okay, this isn't that great, but I'm, I'm still, I'm enjoying Kate Blanchett's performance enough. And I'm enjoying even, you know, I like Billy Crudup too. Um, Kristen Wiig, she's fine. Teenage Daughter, eh. This, this this double feature, if there's any connecting thread, it's kind of teenagers who don't really give me that much to work with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and narration from said teenagers. Um, and I was trying... Like, actually, midway through, I thought the movie was... I was thinking to myself, oh, okay. So, in a way, this is a little bit like a less believable uh, Blue Jasmine. Yeah. Where Kate I thought of Blanchett, Blue Yeah, because here, once again, we're seeing Kate Blanchett playing a woman who's kind of coming undone of her own doing. And, you know, she's lives, she has the means to live pretty well, uh, but she's just kind of self-destructive and she doesn't really trust people and she can't really connect with them. She used to, like, they give her a backstory through a video essay. And I kind of, I'm sorry, I kind of liked the video essay, even though it was really cheesy. Just because it was a good way of imparting a lot of information. Yeah, my thing with the video essay was it's lazy, but I don't care because it gave me something to like respond to in the movie. It gave me, yeah, no, it. See, that's the thing. It gave me something to respond to. I was watching. I was kind of thinking. Um, I mean, something is a little bit off with the writing and direction, but I'm still like. This movie is okay. It's definitely a weaker Linklater movie, but at least eventually I think, okay, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's trying to be about something, which is this woman who should have it all and 
can be very creative is turning into a mess and you know her family wants to help her you know i like the intervention scene when billy crudup and judy greer try to uh help her out once they get to antarctica <laughs> the movie completely see, see that's where i you weren't expecting that i didn't mention that to you guys oh that's the inciting incident the daughter wants to go on a trip to antarctica and you know we're kind of expecting that to happen once the but once the mother runs away and look i'm not you can kind of guess where it's going she runs away to antarctica ahead of the family to go and see things and what made me then dislike the movie and why i i, I could give this movie in a thumbs up thumbs down way i give this thumbs down it's not as strong of a thumbs down as Blind by the Light because I had real acting to hold on to, which I didn't have yeah. with Blinded by the Light. I could at least enjoy seeing Kate Blanchett playing, you know, <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's how I'm trying to communicate through audio how she's doing. And granted, she did that already in Blue Jasmine, but she can do it well. She does that whole, like, I'm talking like this. I'm <laughs> I enjoy that. But the movie lets go of a very, very crucial, the crucial point, which is she's unstable. And it tries to paint over with this message of, don't worry, you're not really unstable. You just need to create. And I was like, no, no, no. Sorry, I had to scream that. Yeah, so this movie, I I thought this movie was garbage. Like, when I evaluate the movie as a whole, there were parts of it I liked, and there were scenes that I liked, but when I take the movie as a whole, it's garbage. Its message is offensive when you get yeah. down to it, because it's it's trying to present to you this person who clearly needs help. You know, she needs, like, some type of therapy. I don't know how that would work or, you know, because they try to talk to, to maybe say to her, like, oh, maybe you should spend some time at this facility. And she's like, the loony bin? Ugh. And then she runs away and, like, the problem is, like, there's this one point where I should have I taken this as a warning sign. In retrospect, when I was watching it, I didn't really think about this scene too much. But there's a scene... Like, she meets up with Lawrence Fishburne, and, like, he's, like, a former architect colleague of hers, going back a ways, and... Yeah. There's actually... I also like, in a way, that scene, too. The where they're kind of inter the Billy Crudup monologue and the Kate Blanchett monologue. Yeah, trying... You know, they're each explaining, like, he's explaining what went wrong with Bernadette, she's explaining what went wrong with herself, and, you know, she has some real you know, trauma from her past. Like, she had multiple miscarriages. She thought, like, her daughter might have died, you know, when she was a baby. Um, she got through it. But then Lawrence Fishburne cuts through all that and is like, you know what your problem is? You just need to create again. And I'm sorry. That is not how this works. Yes. You don't suddenly solve having mental illness by throwing yourself into a project. Especially because we're led to believe these problems are not new problems. These are problems that she's had for 15 years. Yeah, if not longer. Around. I mean, they tried to, I think, say in the video essay that she was really more just about the work or something. But it's clear that her... Not, you know, having trouble having kids and then having a kid not going bad. And who else, you know, knows what. Just, like, I'm sorry. Like, I live, you know, I have people close to me who, you know, suffer from, you know, they, they have to, like, I, I say the word suffer. But they, they endure through major depression, through bouts of really, like, feeling like, why am I going on with myself? Uh, guess what? Work doesn't solve that. Yeah. It, it's something that just goes on and on. And this movie, I feel like, tries to make the point that, well, if you just get a project that will fulfill you, you know, you won't have any more problems. 
Like, is that the message of the movie? Did I, I read into that wrong? I thought the movie was internally confused about what was going on with Bernadette. Because at uh. times, the movie wants to have this kind of, like, light and quirky tone and, like, look at Bernadette, she's so wacky. And other times, it's Bernadette might be hoarding medication to kill herself. We have to get on this. Yeah, that's what's a little odd about it, too. That's why I said that for the first two-thirds, I was feeling... I felt like something was off, and I think you pinpointed it, that it does try to be a little bit light and quirky. That doesn't quite work. It works better when it's trying to just be dramatic. Yes, the dramatic stuff works better, but then the last act just completely craps all over that and says... If you have mental illness serious enough that it's basically derailed your life for decades, all you need to do is get an architecture project at the South Pole <laughs> and your problem oh, is solved. Spo- spoilers, by the way. And this yeah, is the like, most stupid contrived yeah, thing ever. Yeah, what the ever. fuck was like? I was, I could feel my brain scraping from the level of my eyes rolling in my head. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, she suddenly insinuates herself into, like, scientists at the South Pole, and by chance, because a new building needs to be built at the South Pole, she's going to take it on herself to not only do it, but get approved to do it because a woman says, I like that you're weird. No! No, this is not how it works. Like, even what go- world are we... What world is this movie set in? Like, my problem, too, is this is by who I think is kind of a major filmmaker. Richard Linklater is great. I love his movies. Like, this might be... Like, I have to look back. There might have been something else of his I didn't like. Maybe Fast Food Nation, I thought, was kind of eh. Yeah. Like, this could be his worst movie. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, again, I still... I would almost, like, recommend it maybe as a rental just for the performances. Because I still like Blanchette and Crip enough that, like, they were carrying me through it. And I even kind of liked the scene. Like, I like the kind of argument scene that Kristen Wiig has with Kate Blanchett at one point. I thought that was a really good scene. I think there are, so, there are a lot of good scenes in this. I probably liked more scenes than you did. Oh. Like, I don't know. I, I was even laughing a couple of points. Like, I thought they had a couple of good lines. I thought there were a few things that were mildly amusing. But it needed... But you're right. It needed to pick a tone. That's Maybe that's something else that's in common with Blinded by the Light, which is you need to pick a tone and stick with it. Now, in Blinded by the Light, none of the tones worked. Yeah. But in this case, you could have had a better movie. Like, you should... Like, they should have ditched the entire Antarctica thing and just actually just made it a drama. It was so... Everything involving Antarctica was so stupid. Like, Saturday morning cartoons are more grounded. (laughs) It was... But again, I just found the the message insulting because, like, this is not how how you treat this. Like, this... You don't just, by a snap of your fingers... Because I feel like by the end of the movie, again, what we're supposed to take away with is Bernadette will be okay because she can throw herself back into her work and her passion. And And I'm sorry, like, that didn't work for Vincent Van Gogh, (laughs) for example. I'm fine if they wanted to tell us that her getting back to work is one step towards becoming healthier, I would buy that. Yeah, like, there's, like, I also don't like that how eventually the movie tries to make Billy Crudup feel bad about how he was trying to go about this. Billy Crudup was a saint in this movie. Yeah, he was so (laughs) trying to get her the help she needed, try to edge her towards doing something right. She realized, he realizes, oh, she's been hoarding pills and has been doing this weird scam with this person. Oh, can I rant for a while about something about this movie? Uh, I wonder if it's the thing I'm going to mention, but go ahead. I'm going to need to, like, take the floor for a while. I got a lot to Uh, say. uh, Okay. All right. 
So one thing that really drove me crazy about this movie was the complete absence of stakes. I have never seen a movie with less stakes than this. Literally never. And well, see, I think she was the stakes, but they fucked that up. And let me let me lay it out. So the characters are super rich. Which is why Kate Blanchett can just sit on her butt and not work for like decades at a time, and and and, li- and live in their like oddly decrepit house. <laughs> so it's not a detail. The characters are super rich, and even when um, Kate Blanchett gives all their financial information to a scammer, a Russian pretending to be. Um, an Indian virtual assistant. Yeah. The movie explicitly says, oh, don't worry, they were caught before they emptied your giant bank account. Yeah, that was odd. That was an odd twist. That was, like, such a plot convenience. I I didn't like that either. So, anyway. Sorry. um, So, there are no, like, practical stakes in this movie at all because the characters are ludicrously rich. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a bit, in these, you know, times, I have a bit of an eat-the-rich orientation, so it's hard for me to rally around, like, rich people with their first-world problems. But that's not the only way that this movie lacks stakes. This movie also lacks emotional stakes, because Bernadette's problems don't seem to imperil her relationship with her family that much. So, her 14-year-old daughter unambiguously and uncritically adores her. Because if it's one thing 14-year-old girls are good at, (laughs) it's loving their mothers. (laughs) With absolutely no drama or friction. If there's one thing... Here's the thing. I could almost buy that up to a certain point. Like that, the daughter had a good relationship with her mother, and because she saw one side of her mother. But I think at a certain point, what would have made the movie better is if oh, she has this moment where she realizes oh, oh, my mother actually has real problems. Yeah. And, but that never happens. That's another big issue. Yeah. That's why the ending. That's why the whole third act is especially crap. She, the daughter, needed to have an arc, and she doesn't. Yeah, do you know what daughter um, is 100% pleased with her mother when she's 14? No daughter. (laughs) There is not a single teenage girl on the planet Earth who just uncritically adores everything their mother does. Don't you know this is science fiction? I mean, you know, look... So, I'm fine with the daughter being close with her mother... I'm fine with the daughter not being a stereotypical bratty teen. I actually think that was kind of refreshing. But I'm sorry, I don't believe that it never once caused a problem between Kate Blanchett and her daughter. The serious problems that Kate Blanchett has. There should have been, there could have been a moment of betrayal. And, you know, where the daughter suddenly realizes, oh, how my mother, how I think my mother has been is not that like the way that uh you know like you know her father should have leveled with her mom is really unwell i don't think he maybe he tries to do that well she won't accept it because she totally she has this kind of worshipful attitude and that's but that's a big problem in a way bernadette she doesn't have much of an arc but that's almost whatever nobody in this movie has an arc yeah but the daughter needed one and God, like so, you, you can't just. This isn't the kind of movie where you know Richard Linklater loves hanging out with his characters. You can't hang out with these characters. And even like we're led to believe that Billy Crudup and Kate Blanchett don't have a great marriage, but the we're never at the point where it looks like the marriage is going to end or the marriage is seriously imperiled. So yeah, like there should be, couldn't there have been a point where he was like, "Yeah, I'm divorcing you." So, but no, he never. It does drove that. me absolutely crazy that 
there are absolutely no stakes in this movie. That if Bernadette just keeps walking down the same path that she's been walking down, her daughter will still love her and treat her the way no 14-year-old girl has ever treated their mother in the history of mothers yeah. and daughters. Well, also the daughter, what, also the, what didn't help, too, the daughter wasn't, like, that good. That's she's that bland. Good. She's, she's very bland. bland. But, and the, the, but that's a problem. You need, like, a young, like, Cersei Ronan or something in that part to exactly. make that compelling. When you're acting across, like, Kate fucking Blanchett. And, who's bringing, like, you know, her all of this. And that we never get any sense that Billy Crudup is still gonna tolerate his kind of cold, distant marriage. Because I got the impression that there wasn't a lot of conflict in their marriage. There was just, like, distance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it felt more like distance. It felt like they weren't connected together. It didn't, but it didn't feel like they were fundamentally unhappy. Like, he even still says, like, I love you, and there's no moment where she seems unhappy with him. Oh, and Kate Blanchett has a very bad relationship with her neighbors. Oh, but don't worry. When she needs one of her neighbors to do her a favor, that neighbor still does that favor. Yeah, like, just by apologizing, that was also very unbelievable. So, like, literally, as soon as... I feel like as soon as Bernadette jumps out the window, the movie also jumps out the window. <laughs> Yeah, uh, metaphorically, like I, I, I'm where I'm still gonna disagree with you is I was, I'm not gonna say I didn't like the movie that much, but I was kind of trying to see where it was going, and I wasn't like, oh, this is unwatchable. I'm still, it has problems, but I'm kind of enjoying watching it. But yeah, once it takes that turn, once she shows up at uh, at Kristen Wiig's house. It's all over. You're right. The movie, you nailed it. I mean, once she jumps out the window, the movie is, like, irredeemably ruined. And... <laughs> the, the FBI agent, too, who almost seemed like the guy from Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> the the guy who's trying the, the rules. I don't know. Like, I was reading too much I guess that. my problem with the movie, before it becomes insultingly terrible, it was just kind of there. I'm like, it's not mm. that funny. Like, it's very mildly amusing, but it's not, to me anyway, like, laugh out loud funny. It didn't feel like Linklater had his heart in it. It felt like he was given this book and this script. I don't know if he wrote it, too, but like, it, it just didn't feel like it had his kind of personality to it. I'm surprised. Maybe he needed the money, too. Maybe it's maybe he's like Bruce. Eh, just give me those monies, and I'll I'll do what you want. Um, that's the disappointing part to me, because I mean he's, you know, I've seen multiple films from him that are just like great, great, all time great, and this is just. It, it, again, it, I think it's if you are someone who knows someone, or if you are someone who suffers from like mental illness. This movie's gonna piss you off. Yeah, they, it's really terrible, and if the movie had just been, uh, like, how Stella got her groove back kind of thing, where it's just about a woman who kind of loses touch with herself and gets back in touch with herself, yeah. maybe they could have gone yeah, that direction. Maybe, yeah, maybe they could have just done that. Make, like... I've never seen how Stella got her group. No, back, well, so I don't know. Well, that, well, that's a little bit different. In that movie, eventually the message is she gets her groove back by getting some dick. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course you know what happened to that in real life, right? What happened with Terry McMillan? I think you told me that that like he scammed the woman. He was gay and just scamming her for a green card. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, where'd you go, Bernadette? I mean, do you have any other thoughts you want to get out about the movie? Well, just like my final summation that. Oh, by the way, I, I have to also say I feel like I feel like this isn't also, also how Antarctica works. No, like it's... is it supposed to be really cold? The characters are just in like a you know thing. Wouldn't they be really cold? 
Well, just little things like that, too, just felt like they weren't giving a shit near the end. Well, the way that... Did they even mention the movie? Like, did they explain that away? Why they're just in winter coats and a hat and they're okay? All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I just had to get that out, too. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, well, final thoughts. Okay. My final thoughts on this movie. This movie is very bad because it has no dramatic stakes whatsoever, so it completely fails as a drama. That it seems to me that Bernadette could have continued indefinitely in the state that she's in for most of the movie. And the resolution of her emotional problems is incredibly hacky. Just as hacky as anything in Blinded by the Light. Yeah, no, the, the last act of this movie is so hacky. And, and oh, and especially when they finally find Bernadette. And uh, when the movie attempts to be, like, quirky and fun, it's mildly amusing occasionally. But no, I... It's a misfire. It's just very bad. And what did I tell you? I told you, I had my suspicions about this movie, because when we saw the promotional materials for it, anytime you see a movie that has, like, two or three drastically different sets of promotional materials, that's when you know Um, it's trouble. See, I thought the two trailers were pretty similar. Like, they didn't make me think, oh, this movie's gonna be really great, but they they kind of communicated, like, uh, like, here's the thing, it didn't communicate that it's a drama at heart. It tried to make it more seem more like, oh my god, Kristen Wiig's house is getting flooded, and blah blah blah. See, I can smell the flop sweat coming off the promotional material. <laughs> flop sweat. That's a good term. Um, yeah. So this movie's bad. Yeah. Blinded by the light. Bad. 2019. A pretty bad year for movies. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some time left. Give the move. Give the year a few more months to try to win you back. Yeah, I don't even know how I'm going to make a top ten list because <laughs> I haven't seen ten good movies yet this year. Um, no, this movie's this year's been a little bit weaker compared to other years. I mean, I've seen better. I've seen more good movies than I guess you have, but it's been a little rough. I feel like I kind of blame Disney. I blame Disney for everything. Yeah. Fuck you, Disney. Um, had nothing to do with these two movies, but yeah, this was not a great day at the movies. Correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, but we saw them, so that you don't have to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our scars. The sacrifices we make for you. <laughs> Up on the altar of cinema. That'll be the follow-up when we're done with the wages of cinema. We'll just call it the altar of cinema. Yes. Doesn't make much sense. All right, if you guys have seen these movies, you can uh, email us at wagesofcinema at gmail. Uh, please check us out and like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, we always try to get good stuff, also on Instagram. Um, and when we come back next time, let's maybe watch some better movies. Maybe. Um, they have to be. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just rewatch uh, Nightmare Before Christmas again. Yes. That'll please. make us feel better. All right. All right. Well, from Wages of Cinema, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. And the Wages of Cinema is... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those movies don't deserve hugs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard that. Two hugs down. Two hugs down. <laughs> That'll be your new review. All right. Good night, everybody.